Janine Hartman, and this is a special report, Bendigo Studio, COVID While Black. And we're in partnership with the Robert McCormick Foundation. Today, our episode is on the last responders, the death care professionals. COVID has changed everything, including funerals. And we're going to be talking to Mr. Gustus Cage of Cage Memorial and Spencer Leak Jr. of Leak Funeral Home. Welcome and thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you very much. Um, describe the role, if you will, of a funeral director and the importance during the pandemic that we're living in, the role of the funeral director. Mr. Cage, you want to start? Yeah, I can. Uh, our primary role is to, when families call upon us as a result of a loss of a friend or a family member, our principal function is to guide them through the process of uh, planning and coordinating uh, a celebration of life or final arrangements uh, for that individual. And uh, it's all about the funeral director guiding them through uh, the process in a structured way and uh, planning. Uh, in many ways, we are sort, uh, sort of event planners because uh, the services that are to be conducted and uh, held are primarily for the benefit of commemorating the person's memory and allowing the family to have uh, some closure. Um, however, as a result of the uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic, uh, it has severely impacted uh, us as funeral service providers to the extent that we're limited in terms of attendees that are allowed by uh, state and local mandates uh, we're limited in the number of people who can be in attendance. So we have to very carefully and diplomatically work with families in explaining why this is. And some of us have had to take uh, some extended steps to make sure that we're in compliance with the state and the local uh, legal requirements. Otherwise, uh, it could impact our licenses. So let, let's talk, we're going to get into that a little later, but before COVID, let's talk about how the, the dynamics of change for your businesses before COVID, what was your average weekly number of funerals before COVID? Spencer? You know, I, my father has taught me never to really count, but um, we, we maybe a, for us, maybe 150 a week or so that we would handle. Oh. I'm sorry, 150 a month, not a week. I'm sorry. So what is it now? I mean, I know your business has just changed so drastically. Our business has increased. Our funeral directors, our drivers are out pretty much all day and night at mm. calls at uh, different nursing homes, hospice calls, homes. Um, uh, we've had to hire more staff to handle mm. the number of calls that, are, that we are getting. So, yes, it has increased tremendously. So, um, what... What's the new funeral looking like? I mean, Mr. Cage, you were talking about the, um, uh, the, the dynamics of the change, but what's the new funeral? I mean, we've got a whole brand new service. What's that service look like? Just the, it's the limited numbers of, is it 10 people? 10 people now. Uh, we hope and we have some um, uh, efforts that are being uh, put to test now where we can reach out to the governor as well as the mayor 
since the churches have now been allowed to uh, increase their number of attendees for funerals and um, services and the like, we're trying to get that same kind of restriction lifted for our, our area of service in the funeral industry. Right now, we have to make sure that, number one, there's only 10 attendees in, in that service. Number two, we have to make sure that there's social distancing to the extent uh, we have to keep each attendee uh, six feet apart. And uh, at our place, we are requiring everyone who enters those doors to wear a mask. So we've been joined by Lou Rago of Rago Brothers Funeral Home. Lou, you're joining Spencer Leak and Augustus Cage. So Lou, what, what's the change of funerals in, in your business? How, how has COVID-19 affected your, your business? Well, you know, we uh, historically, the majority of our business has been traditional visitation with funeral service the next day. And because of the restrictions, we've kind of curtailed that to a two to three hour visitation the same morning as the burial or cremation. Uh, and again, uh, just as the gentleman, Mr. Cage, said before me, we are uh, rotating people 10 in, 10 out. I saw on television, this was on CNN, there was a funeral director, and he was literally in the streets just alarmed and saying, we are working at capacity, we can't do any more, we can't work any harder, we can't work any longer. And he was, he was, he was freaking. And he was saying, I am pulling bodies out of the uh, freezer, out of the truck. And it was messing with him. It was, he was having a rough time. What have your experiences been that makes this, it's different. The other thing I want to talk about is when we've had people in the hospital and it's a drop off. You drop your loved one off at the hospital and you can't visit you can't hold hands, you can't say farewell. How do you cope with this grieving? What's, what's your counsel? Spencer, what do you, what do you, what's your counsel? Because you all are, I mean, we're, you're the last responders. You bring the closure to the family. You bring the closure to the loved one. What on earth do you say? Well, when when this um, first started, and hello, Mr. Rago. How uh, are you, Spencer? Good to see you. Alrighty. When this first started, it was I, I was having a um, a very very difficult time. Um, I was not sleeping, um, and because I was just concerned, this all hit us so quickly. It hit the funeral homes quickly. It hit the hospitals quickly. It it, it hit the cemeteries quickly. And my main concern. Brother Cage, you'll, you'll understand this. My main concern was, was I going to be able throughout this pandemic to mm. satisfy my client? Um, because, you know, we may be handling 50 remains, 100 remains, but that one client is only concerned about their one loved one, no matter how many other clients we're handling. Mm. So with everything being new, everything uh, changing, I was not sleeping because I wanted to be able to handle or satisfy that one client. Um, but throughout the, the last couple of months, as this thing has continued and continued, we have adjusted. And now I feel a little bit better because the public now understands what's going on. When this first happened 
and we the governor uh, made it 10 people our clients were not having that they were not understanding why 10 people why 10 people but now since uh, they they are seeing the, the daily counts of people passing away on TV every day they have now gotten to understand that um, this thing is real and so they they understand what now the funeral director is going through and our clients have been very understanding as to what what we're doing so I, I feel a little bit better about handling our clients now so did did your clients understand that the 10 people regulation was not your doing but that it was the government's doing and you were just complying great question because at first um, they were, our clients were saying, these are your rules and why are you doing this to us? And we had to tell them, this is not the rule of Leak Funeral Home. This is not the rule of another funeral home. These are state regulations put out by Governor Pritz. We cannot do anything about it or our license, or we could be fined or our license taken. Mm. So once it got out to the public that it was not the rule of the funeral home and it was really state law, those I started to feel a little bit better about handling our clients and people were a little more acceptance of it yes they and and I commend our families for understanding what we're going through this is a time where we should be comforting them however uh, once this has gone on a little bit our clients are comforting us and I appreciate wow. that wow. Um, let me chime, let me chime in on that Please. Um, we have had to, on occasion, had to have security at the entry of our place uh, to the extent to very politely, diplomatically, and tactfully explain because of the state regulations, we're only allowing, we can only allow 10 individuals uh, to come in for the service. And we've even asked the families during the arrangement process to help us identify who those 10 individuals are going to be so we have a heads up on who we can permit into the uh, facility for services we have no control over what they do at church uh, that kind of falls under the purview of the clergy and the uh, policies of the church but uh, as I mentioned earlier on the day before of the visitation we can do as mr. Ragos pointed in pointed out 10 in 10 out on a rotational basis for the time duration of that viewing visitation period. One of the things that's very, very important for people to understand, uh, we as last responders, and I'm not sure I really care for that term or that label, but we're the people, the men and the women, who are looked upon to be the big shoulders to our client families. They don't have a, uh, they're not familiar with the death process, the grieving process many times, and we're the guiding light for them and it's really been a very dicey situation to the extent of like walking on eggs, as Spencer has pointed out, to explain to the families. And as he has stated, the families are finally getting it and getting accustomed to it. And during the arrangement process, when we explain these policies and procedures, they're slowly accepting it and, and falling in line with this whole process. But as I mentioned earlier, hopefully Governor Pritzker will yield to our correct uh, our concerns to lift this 10 person requirement and at least raise it up to 50 like some of the churches are, are, are experiencing mr cage you said you don't like the term last responders what would your preference be 
I don't know that I have a preference. Um, we're the people that nobody really wants to entertain uh, having a relationship with. Um, as I was once years and years ago in the insurance business, my manager pointed out there's three things people don't even want to think about. Number one's getting old, getting sick, and dying. And any of those, uh, particularly in the dying component, nobody even wants to deal with that. Uh, I've had many individuals tell me uh, they want to prearrange and make uh, advanced arrangements. And when they go to explain it to their children, the children say, they don't want to hear about it because they don't want to face the inevitability of a parent or a loved one passing away. So for that stand, from that standpoint, we have to be very, very careful in our choice of words, the approach that we take in serving these individuals, not just the person uh, in the immediate family, but the guests and the other family members who come to pay their respects. We have to be diplomat, diplomat, diplomat all the way down the line. Got a tough job got a tough job. Yes, we do. Hey, Chicago, you've stayed home for months and saved lives. And now, because of all your hard work, we can go out. But we have to be safe. As long as we follow proper precaution, wear face coverings, social distance, we're good to go. some pants please and head back to the office go ahead get the pedicure or get that tattoo that you won't regret dine al fresco and eat food you didn't make or the libraries are open check out a book it's like a podcast but on paper get that root canal work on your short game enjoy yourself outside but please remember, be safe, Chicago. And if you'll excuse me, there's one last thing I gotta do. That's better. Be safe, Chicago. Vaccine development for COVID-19 is proceeding at a pace that is far faster than any vaccine development in history. Dr. Baruch is the director of the Center for Virology and Vaccine Research at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. He has led groundbreaking work on vaccines for HIV and Zika. Are you concerned you're moving too fast? The goal is not to compromise patient safety at all because ultimately a vaccine absolutely must be safe if it's gonna be administered to large numbers of healthy people. Researchers are taking part of the coronavirus DNA and transferring it into a weak and common cold virus. After it is placed into a cell, the body will produce antibodies triggering an immune response. Mr. Mr. Rago, you, um, one of the conversations, you, you called me and you asked me to write about funerals. And that's how this show came about, because you were saying, you got to write about funerals. Funerals are different. You had an incident where you had to actually call the police in order to control um, the people who were coming to a funeral. It was a larger, larger funeral. Tell me about that. This was probably the first or second week of, of what we're going through now. And uh, 
as Mr. Cage had said, a lot of families in the beginning of this uh, crisis thought it was it was our rules and regulations. And you the funeral home. You the, the funeral, funeral home. Mm -hmm. And and uh, the, these folks were pretty upset. The immediate family was fine, but the people waiting outside were had a difficult time with this ten in ten out, and they just didn't get it. And uh, unfortunately, some of them, some of them were were getting angry, and uh, we had a we had a call nine one one to just have the the uh, the folks come out there, the police come out there, and 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 explain to them that this was not Mr. Rago's rule. This was not anybody in the funeral homes rule. We were just trying to follow the mandate uh, from the governor of the state of Illinois. How do you do the um, distance in the funeral home? We how removed you, all of our chairs. Work? You removed we removed, everything? We, 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 left, we left 10 chairs in there. Uh, and and they're spaced. The chairs are spaced. Oh, yeah, they're spaced. And and uh, uh, I, I mean, I know it sounds cruel. It sounds cold. And my heart goes out to these people because that's their mother, their father, their sister, their brother, uh, that's laying in that casket. But we have we just have no control over it. Uh, Spencer, what have you done? Have you done spacing? How how have you done handled spacing? Well, in our funeral home, we're a little different because we have, in our chapels, we mostly have pews that are, you know, tied or, or bolted to the ground. Mm -hmm. So uh, during the services, we will make we will make announcements asking for people to social distance and space out. However, you'll have uh, people that will come to me, Spencer, we live together. I'm not going to sit six feet away from my mother and I live in the same house. So, you know, you kind of take every family uh, uh, by itself or, you know, some families understand what you're, you're talking about, but others will say what I just said. I live with this person. I'm not going to sit six feet away from her. Um, sorry, Mr. Leak, but I'm just not going to do that. So, you, you know, you take every family um, individually, but it, it's, it's, that's one of the most difficult things that I've had to uh, deal with since this started, um, the, the social distancing part. I think it's getting a little easier now because uh, everybody that comes in is wearing a mask. So that kind of makes, that kind of makes me feel better. And I think it kind of makes everybody else in the chapel feel better about the mask, uh, uh, about the spread because people are now wearing the mask. But, you know, people living in the same household, that's a little different, difficult to tell them to sit six feet away from each other. Absolutely do see, right. Do, do you see an age difference? Do you see older people will do one thing, younger people will do something else? Do you see an age, an age spread on behavior? You know what? I, I, everybody is, is, is trying their best to adhere to it, other than the you know, people living in the same household. But everybody, now that this is three months in or so, everybody is getting it. I know you all have installed viral services so 10 people come 25 people come 50 people come but the funeral uh itself might be 200 people should be there could be there would be there under ordinary circumstances so funerals are being are going uh viral going streaming tell me how that works 
Mr. Cage, how does that work for you? We're currently using the Facebook medium um, to, uh, uh, you know, reveal the services that are in progress. Um, you do earlier. it with Facebook Live? Yes, Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. uh, we're also uh, doing some webcasting um, with the fam at the family's request, which is uh, gives a little more of a panoramic view of uh, what's going on. Um, but uh, to speak to Spencer's point and Mr. Rago's point, what we have initiated at our place is during the arrangement conference, because that sets the tone for how things are going to happen. We tell them we are restricted by state and local mandates to limit the attendees to 10 people. And we ask them to kindly identify the 10 people they want in attendance at that service. So we've got a heads up. So anybody beyond that, we have to maintain a hard line on saying at the family's request, these individuals and only these individuals are allowed for that service. You take names? You take names and um, in some cases, we even ask for photographs, but mm -hmm. names is probably the, the easiest and most convenient way. And many times, uh, family members will come in in a collective uh, during the arrangement compass, so we have a, uh, some kind of an earlier introduction to who they are. Mm -hmm. Mr. Rago, are you doing streaming services too? Uh, only if the family requests it, and we have them set it up themselves. Uh, uh, you don't set it up? We don't set it up. They could they could stream. They could do anything that they want in there. They're, but we're, you know, I've always said all I am is an undertaker. So, right. Uh, I, whatever a family wants to do uh, within the confines of the time that they have uh, at our facility, they're more than welcome to do it. Um, the other thing that we're doing, Spencer and and Mr. Cage, is we 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 station somebody uh, in the lot, and so when we're letting that when two people leave and two people more are walking in, we say to them, please register, pay your respects. Unfortunately, you don't have time to, to visit like you would in a normal traditional visitation. So we're asking you to pay your respects and please come out in an appropriate amount of time so that we could let some more folks come in. That's, the, you know, that's what we're limited to do. Mr. Lee, what are you doing? Are you to share the funeral with a larger audience? Uh, are you streaming? Are you Facebooking live? What are you doing? When this first started, families really did not want to stream their loved one service. Um, they didn't want, uh, I had a, a, a family tell me, quote, I don't want mama out there like that. Mm -hmm. However, since this has gone on, we have had more families wanting to stream so we do offer those services to our families. Um, I've hired a guy to, I've hired two people to do that for us. Um, what we find is that there will be maybe 75 people in the parking lot, in their cars, watching the service where there are 10 people on the inside. So that's, that's what I've found lately. We have also hired security since all of the nightclubs are closed downtown. I just went to some of my friends and said, hey, I need some security guards. And they sent me three of the biggest guys you ever want to see with security on their shirts. And we have really had no problems. One of the gentlemen is here right now. Um, but, and the, but what he does, he's very nice, very uh, uh, you know, respectful. 
and he'll invite the people in, two in, two out, three in, three out. So we have not that had that much of a problem uh, recently with what's going on. And hopefully, like Mr. K says, if they lift it to 50, that's going to be even better for us. What what happens? Let's say you've had a you've had a funeral and you've buried someone, and the funeral might have been three four hundred people. Are we going to have maybe after COVID? Are we going to have a series of memorial services where we can do it right or do it like not? I won't say right, but do it in our tradition where uh, the repast is gone. We can't do that anymore. Right. So, do you think there will be, um, I don't know, maybe even next year, a flood of memorial services so that the dignitaries can come, so that my whole family can come, so that all of the friends can come to pay their respects, final respects to a person? Uh, I've told my families that if they ever wanted to do that, they can come and set up the memorial service at the funeral home. It'll be no charge. We did the same thing, Spencer. Same thing. Come back and do it. And what about you, Mr. Cage? Yeah, we essentially do the same thing. What people have to understand and what we're trying to get across is to view the person, the deceased for the last time, is for the benefit of allowing family members and very close friends to have closure, to look at that deceased individual, pay their respects for that last time, so that they can get on the road to what we call a good grief recovery. We also point out that after the fact, it's very important to come back together, to commemorate the person's memory, to celebrate that person's life, to have tributes uh, and the like for that person. And you mentioned there's no more repast. I tend to disagree because at the conclusion of that memorial or before the memorial, people can assembly, assemble in the way that they used to, to share stories and so forth. It's so very important and comforting to the family to have these larger number of people come together. That family is, is, is comforted by the, by the fact that these people showed up to pay their respects, to express their remarks, and to share memories. So we encourage very emphatically, let's do this for now. Let's do what we have to do now in terms of burying or cremating the deceased remains. But let's not forget the celebration which is so very important for them to have closure. You're saying the repass is still occurring? You can have a repass before or after memorial service. The only difference between a memorial and a funeral is that the deceased body is not there at the memorial. The no, I think I think she's talking about eating. Yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking about after the funeral to to have the eating at a at a, at 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 the uh, funeral parlor or maybe in the community room at the church or at a restaurant <laughs> is that still occurring? That's that's very much uh, uh, can be in play. There's no restriction once once the limitation is lifted on the number of attendees, things can go very much back to normal. But that's oh, what right. I'm saying. I'm saying now during the COVID period. Now, that's now not no, now okay, now that's no. That's what I'm saying. You no. know, Mayor Lightfoot just. Yeah, just, just now, last week, Mayor Lightfoot uh, just lifted the restriction on people who could come uh, into restaurants. It's just this week that people are being permitted in. Prior to this week, everybody had to meet outside. It, it's social distancing. So what I understand from Mayor Lightfoot 
is that in the next coming days, you can have, you may be able to have people, but the tables need to be six feet apart and you can only have 10 people at a table. So I'm thinking within the next couple of days, repass may be coming back. So I think we need to all get prepared for that. I haven't yeah. had a repass since the 1st of March. Yeah, but I'm really. thinking the same thing, Spencer. I'm thinking that within the next couple of days, folks will be able to have that, that we just call it a funeral luncheon. You, right. uh, but the, I, I'm thinking that's going to be it. With those restrictions, 10 people at a table, the table six feet apart. Right. But, but gentlemen, what we're going to have, and Hermine, what we're going to have to remember, just like the restaurant venues, they're only going to be able to allow either 20 or whatever percentage the mayor mandates that can be at that repast or that funeral luncheon. Mm -hmm. Okay, we can't go over what the restaurants are being restricted to. Right. So and see, I'm a little different because one of our funeral homes is in the city of Chicago then the other is in the suburbs. So I'm gonna have different rules for the city versus different rules for the suburbs. So I've gotta <laughs> I've gotta deal with a few things in the coming days. Wow. You might have you might have different uh, different rules for the depending on the location. Correct. We are now having forty plus thousand new cases a day. I would not be surprised if we go up to a hundred thousand a day if this does not turn around. And so I am very concerned. If you look at what's going on and just look at some of the film clips that you've seen of people congregating often without masks, of being in crowds and jumping over and avoiding and not paying attention to the guidelines that we very carefully put out, we're going to continue to be in a lot of trouble and there's going to be a lot of hurt if that does not stop. How did a newly emerged coronavirus manage to hold the entire world at its mercy? Why was advanced medical research not able to combat its spread? And is this merely the start of other potentially unstoppable global pandemics? have changed forever i mean will will the facebook live the streaming will that be a part of but how has it changed the impact how has it changed forever or does it change or do we just go back to normal shortly i'm thinking we're going to go right back to normal. normal this is this is the normal. new normal well yeah but augustus i i honestly and truly believe once all these restrictions are lifted everybody's going to go back to the way it was me too, Mr. Rego. I'm thinking people cannot wait to celebrate their loved ones. That's correct. Um, you know, when this first started, I thought people were just going to go direct, I mean, straight to direct cremations. With us, I have had more, uh, you know, funerals with renting a casket and then cremations versus direct cremations. So I think people are, they're not, they're not going to allow this pandemic to just throw their loved ones away. Um, they are, my clients are 
they are having funeral services and they're celebrating their loved ones. And even if they're not having a, a complete funeral, they're having a visitation, allowing their friends to 10 in and 10 out, 10 in and 10 out. So I think people, when this is all over, think, uh, hopefully in the near future, I'm praying for a vaccine, I'm praying for treatment, um, but I think really people are gonna wanna celebrate their loved ones even more so than they did before. You know, I have to, I have to relay a story that I often do to folks when they talk about our industry. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I started working for my father in my second year of high school, you know, as a summer job. And uh, one day I was coming home and I said to my father, Dad, how, how come we put people through this? And he said, we don't put people through anything. We help them through something. And, and um, I would be working visitation in the evening and there was always a fella that would come in and sit with my father and say, you know, Joe, uh, don't, when I go, just throw me in a box. This is all ridiculous. I don't want anybody to go through any of this stuff when I go. And, Five weeks later, when his mother passed away, he would be in there saying, I want the best of everything. Right, right. This is right, my mother. Right. We're going to celebrate her life. She was. So, you know, when it happens to you, you want to throw everything out the window and say, you know what? We're going to we're going to we're going to honor my loved one. Yes. So this is the new normal. Will the limitations will go away? If I were a betting man, I, I, I'd say for sure. If they lifted all of the restrictions tomorrow, we would be back. The, the, the furniture would be back into the funeral home. We'd be having a traditional one-day, two-day service with funeral the next day. Absolutely. I believe that. And the, uh, the Facebook Live and the streaming service, that might be a part of service? Well, they, they may include it in whatever they're doing now. We've noticed with a lot of our immigrant uh, funerals where there are still people left in, in other countries, they've, they've been streaming those for the last year or two uh, to, to back to their home country. So that may still be a part of it, but I don't think that you're not going to throw the baby, at, baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. um, how's your employee morale? Has, has, has the COVID-19 affected employee morale? Well, I've got a story for that. Um, when, uh, when the governor shut the state down, my father came to me and he said, son, uh, it's been a good run, 86 years. However, I think we're gonna close. And, oh. and um, he could, because he was concerned about the employee's health. And you know, that's the type of my father, the person my father is, he puts everybody before himself. And um, so I said, dad, you know, if that's what you wanna do, then that's what we're gonna do. We had a meeting, he called me on Saturday night. We had a meeting with the staff on Sunday morning on Cottage Grove, had everybody in the chapel. We were all separated around this big room. It seats 500 people. We had 60 people spread out across the room and I, took it upon myself to poll each employee. I called out their name, such and such. Are we gonna open or are we gonna close? And each one of our employees said, yes, Mr. Lee Spencer Jr., we want to stay open. We wanna continue. We wanna serve the public. So I commend our staff for, for doing what they did. And my father, you know, the look on his face, he felt so relieved that they wanted to work 
and work it out throughout this pandemic. And um, so what we did, we just, we gave them all raises. <laughs> so wow. we, we appreciate them very much. I, I can't say that enough. Leak Funeral Home employees, if you're watching, I love you. I thank you for allowing our business to continue. But your father was, do you, do you think he was, was he overwhelmed, Spencer? Was he just overwhelmed? I think, I think he, yes. I, I, he just did not want anybody to get sick or die because of him. Um, so, yes, he was ready to close. You know, I don't know if we were going to close for two months or six months, but he was, he was ready to close down the funeral home. You know, Hermie, Hermie, one of the things that uh, to to uh, validate and uh, enhance uh, Spencer's comment, um, your employees, our employees have had a choice. They make a choice and it was put to them. How do you feel about continuing to work in this particular new environment? And in, like his uh, staff, every one of ours said, we want to do this. But once they decided to come on board, continue to serve these families, because many of them have been in the same position these grieving families have been in. So they understood, they have empathy. So we then had an obligation as their employers to say, okay, not only are we gonna take every measure we can to protect you, as much as we're gonna protect our client families and the guests that come through, but we're gonna take extra, extra measures to see that you're taken care of and safeguarded through apparel, through safe distancing, sanitizers, the whole nine yards. Because once they've committed to continue to serve with us, we have an obligation to do everything we can to protect them. Lou, did you, what, what happened with you? Did you, what's, you what's know, the company morale? And you all all have family businesses, so this is yes. not, uh, it's not like we're dealing with some strangers or some, um, um, you're dealing with family and you all have worked together for a long time in, in, in all of your businesses. But Lou, what did, did you go through anything, any considerations on clothing? Or? The only considerations we had, and they, they, it wasn't as formal as what these gentlemen did uh, when, this, when this started to really, you know, when the, when, the, when, the, when the governor made all of these regulations, and rightfully so, and the mayor did, uh, we just sat down and said, this is what it is. You know, I hate to use a line from a movie, but this is the life we chose. Right. And, uh, and so uh, uh, we just said, we're all gonna take the necessary precautions. I mean, I, I, I was around for the AIDS epidemic. This, this is, the AIDS epidemic is kid stuff compared to what we're going through now. Correct. But, uh, you know, it was a matter of you you have to just prepare yourself, wear the right clothing, uh, do everything. But no one no one even batted an eyelash about whether or not we wanted to stay working with, with us. The fact that it, somebody got the coronavirus who hadn't traveled anywhere is very concerning. Being this close is the scariest, it's the scariest thing in the world for me right now because it's only 15 minutes from Vacaville from here.
So you can mean to me, I can go to Vacaville and, and, and I have to be more careful. It's just, it's a scary situation to know that I can sit around and touch something and, and, and somebody could have been there and they had that virus and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm contaminated. I saw it on the news this morning. I didn't watch the news last night and I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm really worried. Well, I feel like I, after the news today, like I shouldn't even be out of the house, honestly, but that's not really a practical thing. <laughs> um, but I wash my hands all the time anyways. I'm very careful. So as much a change in my habits, probably not wanting to be out in public as much. I, I think more should have been done in the beginning before this even happened to be able to have things in place to be able to prevent this type of a problem. emerged coronavirus managed to hold the entire world at its mercy? Why was advanced medical research not able to combat its spread? And is this merely the start of other potentially unstoppable global pandemics? Vaccine development for COVID-19 is proceeding at a pace that is far faster than any vaccine development in history. Dr. Baruch is the director of the Center for Virology and Vaccine Research at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. He has led groundbreaking work on vaccines for HIV and Zika. Are you concerned you're moving too fast? The goal is not to compromise patient safety at all, because ultimately a vaccine absolutely must be safe if it's going to be administered to large numbers of healthy people. Researchers are taking part of the coronavirus DNA and transferring it into a weak and common cold virus. After it is placed into a cell, the body will produce antibodies triggering an immune response. So you talked earlier about when this first, um, you, you talked about not sleeping, um, just the trauma, because this is traumatizing, just the trauma of this. How, how did your family life, how was your family life affected otherwise? I mean, because normalcy just, I mean, it's like one day we woke up and we were in this mess and there's nothing normal, the new normal, but there is no normal. How, how were you affected family-wise, your family life? So when this, around the beginning, um, I was so traumatized that I showed my wife where all of our insurance policies were. Yep. I gave her all of my passwords to everything. Um, I gave her the number to our accountant. I gave her the number to our insurance agent. 
And uh, I just sent her an email and I said, this is where everything is because I just did not know. Um, I've got a case of high blood pressure. So I guess I have underlying conditions. So, um, and so that's part of the reason why, the main reason why I wasn't sleeping is because I wanted to be able to serve our clients. That's number one. Number two, I was afraid of dying. <laughs> and where and my son, who just turned 16, would I be able to see him graduate from high school? Um, would I be able to see him one day take over the funeral home? So that's, those are the two main reasons that why I uh, was not sleeping. So yes, my wife has all of the insurance information that I point. I said, this is where this is. This is where this is. So, um, uh, I have backed off of that a little bit when I get home, you know, I've got one chair that I sit in, in the house. Um, I haven't hugged my daughter in months. I mean, literally in months, my son is a little bit, you know, he's a, he's a guy. So he's going, Oh, dad, forget about that. I'm going to hug you. And he'll just come and grab me. But I'll, you know, I'll almost make a mistake and try to hug my daughter and she'll say, no, dad, we can't do that right now. She wrote me a nice little letter saying one day soon, I hope I can hug you. Oh. Um, but now Ms. Hartman, I have not hugged her in three months. Literally. I, I think, and I think the biggest problem that we all have in this industry, uh, and, 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 and maybe these two gentlemen know more than I do. The, the unfortunate part about this thing is no one can tell us how long this virus lasts after right. 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 I mean, no one has said to us, you know what, after 72 hours, you could do, you know, you could go ahead and embalm and you're not going to have to worry about it. No one has said anything to us. And I don't think anybody knows. But that's the biggest problem with with regards to family life. You go home and you almost feel like you're you, you have to surround yourself in plexiglass. Right. Well, Mr. Rago, my concern is not so much the remains. It was at first because I did go on several removals from hospitals and, you know, it would be five remains in a cooler and all five of them had COVID. And so uh, I was concerned at first, but I'm more concerned with family members, number one, not even knowing that their loved one tested positive for COVID. And yeah. now they're coming in making the arrangements and they could have been exposed. So that's who I was more concerned about. Uh, yeah. Not so much so now because, you know, for the last couple of months, we've all been wearing masks and now the plexiglass is up everywhere. However, during those first couple of weeks, my concern was the families that are making arrangements who did not know their loved one tested positive. I, have, I was the one who told several families that their loved one, and those families got upset with me because they did not know, they were not told by the hospital that their loved one had COVID. All too often, we're the bearer of bad news. Yeah. Mr. Cage, your personal life, your personal relationships affected by this at all? Well, number one, uh, I believe in testing, contrary to what the president's talking about. <laughs> um, uh, every one of our staff, we required to be tested. Uh, I personally have been tested twice, and I'm, I'm a stern believer in testing. Because if you show any signs, you have an obligation to to protect yourself as well as your coworkers and family. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, uh, we have uh, uh, on pretty good ground. Um, to uh, we had a situation just last week. We had a husband and wife. We had a double funeral, 
Mm. Both of them passed away from COVID. And uh, so that sent a shockwave through their immediate family, which included five children and 15 grandchildren. Mm. And for all accounts, and we encourage, I said, well, in light of the circumstances, I strongly encourage that your first opportunity to take advantage of this testing because to be proactive means to be pro-life. And from that standpoint, everybody took it, uh, appreciated the, the recommendation. And uh, because uh, you all may have read about uh, several weeks ago, an individual who attended a funeral was COVID uh, 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 infected, went to a repast at a birthday party, and it pointed out he spread that disease among a number of other family members, several of whom ended up passing away. Right. And, you know, as, as, uh, as Mr. Leak has pointed out, there are so many people that don't even know that they, they have the virus. And you have to understand what Dr. Fauci and Dr. Gottlieb will point out. You have people who are asymptomatic, no fever, no cough, no respiratory issues, but got the stuff on them like a bomber. There was a case in the South, I think it was North Carolina, and um, the person was um, quite popular in the community. And the family said, we're going to have a funeral like we know to have a funeral. And they did. They had a repast and they said, we're going to celebrate his life like we know to. Well, from 200 people, 50 people got, uh, got COVID, uh, either from the funeral itself and or from the repast, and 12 of them died. Oh, my gosh. So there have been some, there have been some stories. There have been some real... My, my biggest worry, my biggest worry, and I am very proud of the fact of how the nation came out in protest to the issues surrounding George Floyd's death, the young lady, uh, uh, what was it? In, in Brianna. Brianna, uh, the young man in Atlanta, and countless others. I'm so proud and thankful for these peaceful protests that took place, but I am extremely worried right. about what's going to happen and how this disease is going to rear its ugly head in the late fall and early onset of winter. Right. I'm worried about it. Right. Whether they will be tested. Well, you know, the mayor in Atlanta, uh, I saw her on CNN, uh, and that's, that was one of the things that she said is go and get tested. You all have been out in the open. Some people had on masks, some didn't. Social distancing was not practiced, but go and be tested for the same fear that you just expressed. And not only that, we have a, a chief executive of these United States of America who refuses to wear a mask, held a rally down there in Tulsa yesterday and the majority of these people were not masked, did not observe any social distancing. And Lord knows how that mess is going to be spread, you know. With six people on his staff having received COVID before they went down as they were doing advanced work. So just let's, oh my goodness. Spencer, you said something that I think has become 
uh, a lot of people are doing but not talking about. I've had, I know of 10 people that have um, died of COVID, three of them relatively close. But people are beginning to talk about the planning of your funeral because right. COVID is so fast. I know one person who got COVID from a microphone. He was a uh, newscaster mm. and he got uh, COVID through the microphone. My last uh, note to him was on Friday and he was dead on Sunday. Mm. Uh, I know another guy who's a photographer. I was calling to do some work. He was gone. They both died on the same day. But it's so fast and so many people, I've had so many friends say, we need to start planning our funerals. And it's not, it's not morbid. It's not we need to plan our funeral because good planning, I guess you, that's what you do. But it was like, this thing is so fast. You could just one day be gone. In three days, you could just be gone. How do you, good thing to do, right thing to do? You, they announced you got COVID. Did you start planning your funeral? How, how do you cope with that? I was just telling my father Saturday, I said, Dad, it's just, it's just an eerie feeling out here. It's empty. And he said, son, this is something that, that we never would have thought we would have seen in our lifetime. So, um, Brother Cage, how do you feel? I mean, it's just an eerie. Things are just quiet. You know, you, 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 it's spooky. It's eerie. It's, it's, it's spooky. Yes, it's that's a good word. Lonely. It's, right. it's terrifying. It's... Right. Um, if ever there is a test of your faith and your resolve, we're living in it. When I was a little boy in Sunday school, I was about five years old. We had a little uh, Sunday school teacher who talked about how much God loved us. And as the, school, uh, the class was ending, the little girl that sat next to me said, well, teacher, teacher, how can we show God how much we love him? And she looked at him, looked at her and smiled. She said, baby, that's easy. We can show God how much we love him by how we treat his people. Hmm. That summed it up for me, the rest of the balance of my life. Wow. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for helping so many probably get through this eerie moment. Spencer, that's our word, eerie. Eerie. It is. It's an eerie, eerie moment. But indeed, your services are so... Um, so important thank uh, you so important and and thank you for just helping us helping us cope and helping us understand and realize kind of where we are we are going to go through this for a moment there is no vaccine vaccines don't come overnight vaccines take time um and as we listen to the medics i, I think if we left with with the best piece of advice is just listen to the authorities and for goodness sake, wash your hands as often as you can. I think that's the that's the biggest deterrent we can we can offer right now is keep your hands clean, wash your face, uh, and and wear your mask when you can. And and, and, and social distancing. Social distancing yeah. is key. Yeah. Spencer Leak Jr., thank you. Leak Funeral Homes. Lou Rago, thank you of Rago Brothers Funeral Home. And Augustus Cage, thank you so very much. Cage Memorial, thank you. God bless us, God bless you, God bless Chicago. Let's stay well. My message to the American people 
is that I know that there's a lot of concern and, and energy about getting back to normal. It's a great stress on people to be locked in, but there's a fundamental basic thing that you should be doing is don't throw all caution to the wind so that you can open up and help the economy by getting jobs back and doing things like that. But that doesn't mean that you walk around without a mask, that you jump into a crowd, that you stop washing your hands, that you stop doing the things that are important. So, so the plea is that from a public health standpoint, you'd want to do it this way. If you're not going to do it this way, then at least do these things. Hi, I'm Hermine Hartman, bringing you a special edition of Indigo Studio, COVID While Black. And we're brought to you through a special fund, journalism fund, from the McCormick Foundation. The McCormick Foundation funds communities in Chicago land and across Illinois with programs that are educational, informative, and engaging with our citizens. The fun is to strengthen democracies, and that's what we've done today. We've talked to citizens about COVID-19. It's been an engaging conversation, and we thank you for being with us and hope this information has been helpful. Indigo Studio, COVID Wild Life, brought to you by McCormick Foundation.